Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Well, happy Father's Day to all of our fathers in the room. I especially want to say a happy Father's Day to my wife's grandfather. Heidi, I love you, man. Happy Father's Day to you. And I guess I have to do this. Um, my father-in-law, happy Father's Day, Roger. I love you, man. I give you a hard time, but I do love you. Amen. Amen. Um, over the last few years, the world has been inundated with bad dad jokes. And if you don't know what these are, these are the jokes that make every dad's heart swell with pride and accomplishment, but it makes every child's eyes roll. They're more punny than they are funny. And they usually at least get a chuckle from us, but deep down, if you're honest, you want to laugh out loud, but pride keeps you from going all in with a bad dad joke. Um, I have this wonderful honor of being a part of a text thread with Pastor Andrew and the dad joke king of the world, Rick Washburn. And uh, Rick, wave at me. He's in the back of the room counting heads right now. Hey, Rick. Um, almost daily, we get a, a good dose of a bad dad joke. Um, sometimes it's at a very critical moment when you need a good laugh. And uh, so I'm thankful that I'm a part of this thread and so I thought that I would share with you today a few bad dad jokes from our thread so that you can kind of see what my, my day and my weeks look like sometimes. So here, here they are. You ready? I had no idea that reopening the Lego store would be so popular. People were lining up for blocks. <laughs> I like this one. If two vegans get into an argument, is it still considered a beef? Bad dad jokes. Forgetting where you parked in a parking garage is frustrating on so many levels. <laughs> oh, you like that one. You don't like the vegan one, but you like that one. Okay. Want to hear a good joke about paper? Do you want to hear a good joke about paper? Never mind, it's terrible. <laughs> Do you know why you should trust your fingers and toes? You can always count on them. Always knock on the door before opening a refrigerator just in case there is a salad dressing. And finally, finally, a priest, a pastor, and a rabbit walk into a bar. The bartender looks at them and says, is this a typo? Some of you will get that on the way home. Some of you will never get that one, but it's okay. And some of you just need to lighten up. It's like Solomon told us in Proverbs, laughter doeth good like a medicine. How many of you are glad you can laugh in church? Amen? Amen, amen. amen. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Today's text takes us to the time when Jesus had just healed the crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. He commanded that man that day to get up, take up your bed, and walk. And that's exactly what the man did. He stood up, he rolled up his mat, and a man that had been an invalid for 38 years, 38 years he could not walk. He was instantly healed on that day, and he stood up, rolled up his mat, and he walked away. And, and there, there are some people in life that are just so programmed in their own misery that they cannot rejoice when someone else is blessed. You ever met anybody like that? Don't point at them. 
Some people are so programmed in their own misery that they refuse to rejoice when someone else is blessed in life. And, and it's true, misery loves company. And the legalistic, dogmatic religious leaders would have rather this man live his life in, in despair, in anguish, than for Jesus to heal him on the Sabbath. That's what they were pointing at. Jesus is healing on the Sabbath, and you're, you, you shouldn't do that. That's considered work, and, and you should not do that. But how many of you know Sabbath was, was made for man, not man for the Sabbath? Amen? Amen. Sabbath is meant to bring healing to our lives. And so they start questioning this man who had just been healed. They, they start questioning him. And, and, and for the first time in nearly four decades, this man is walking and, and they want to find fault with what's happening. And so we're going to pick it up at John chapter 5 and verse 10. John chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, the man said to me, take up your bed and walk. And they asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know it was who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who healed him. Thanks a lot. It was Jesus who healed him. And this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Somebody say, like father, like son. Like father, like son. He says, my father is working until now, and I am working. Verse 18 says, this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. But I want you to listen to how Jesus responds to this. Listen to, to verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can only do, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. For as the father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the son gives life to whom he will. For the father judges no one, but has give, given all judgment to the son that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. It has not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. I want us to focus on verse 19 today. 19 is our focus verse. Listen to what Jesus said to them. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Would you say it again? Like father, like son. Like father, like son. You know, my children are both the product, not just physically, but also intellectually, of both their mom and their dad. And that is very scary, isn't it? When you talk to Caleb or Kendall, you will hear our influences in their ideology and their worldview. It's there. There's no denying it. We have helped create who they are. And though I feel very comfortable with who I am, 
to realize that I had the power to influence their minds and help shape them into the man and woman that they have become is a little scary. Take, for instance, when Kendall was in elementary school. She kept talking about a certain boy at school, and, and, and she wouldn't stop talking about her new friend at school. And, and so we just all assumed that she liked the boy, you know, a little school-age crush on, on this particular little man, you know, this little, this little kid. And so Kendall keeps talking about him, and so we would, we would pick at her a little bit, and, and we'd call him by name and say, you know, is that your boyfriend, is that your boyfriend? And finally, Mandy asked her one day, you know, Kendall, do you like this, this kid? Do you like him? And she said, no, he's a Democrat. <laughs> now, you don't think we shaped that? It's scary, right? There are some things that are just not intuitive, we are often the product of the environment that we are raised in. That's why, church, I feel like now, more than ever, that parents need to be very intentional in what they do and what they say in front of their children. Oh, some of you are about to fall under some heavy conviction right now. Get ready. Happy Father's Day. Now more than ever, church, we must be careful of what we do and what we say in front of our kids because there are certain things that you just don't come to realize on your own. It has to be taught. Racism is not intuitive. It is learned. A victim mentality is not intuitive. It is passed on from one generation to the next generation. A disregard for authority is not intuitive. It is a learned behavior, and either someone of influence in that child's life has exemplified a disregard for authority and has rebelled, or they have allowed that child to do that. A feeling of superiority over other people, it is not intuitive. A parent or a grandparent has put that spirit on that child to have them grow up thinking that they're better than someone else. And, and church, most of the problems that we see in society today, it is the product of the influences that have been passed down from generations to generations. I know that some of my hangups in my life, they have been passed on to me. And it is my job as a parent to try and fix some of that stuff in me so that I don't pass it on to the next generation. I know Exodus 34 and 7, listen to what God says. He says, I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. Now, you hear him? Listen to what he says. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected, even children and the third and fourth generations. It's scary, but church, the scripture makes it very plain for us that the mistakes that we, make, that we make as parents, they strongly affect our families. Dads, listen to me right now. The mistakes that you make as a parent, it is going to affect not only your children, but it's going to affect your grandchildren also. Take, for instance, the first son that was ever born to mankind. His name was Cain. And, and Cain became so jealous and so full of animosity towards his brother Abel that he murdered him. He killed his brother. It was the first murder in, in human history. And in Genesis chapter 4, we read of how Cain's great, great, great grandson Lamech killed a man. 
His great-great-great-grandson killed a man. And, and listen to how Lamech justifies his actions. He says, if Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seven, 77 times. This is how he justifies it. If my great-great-great-grandfather is, is avenged seven times, then, then I'm avenged 77 times. Five generations later, Cain's murderous spirit is still influencing his descendants. Church, I, I want you to know that there's some generational sins in our lives that need to be broken. There are things that are being passed down from generation to generation to generation. There are things, men, that some of you are dealing with that it has been passed down from you from your father and from his father and from his father. And it's time that we break these generational curses and we stop letting them have control of our families. There are habits, there are addictions, and there are traits that are passed down from one generation to the next that do not glorify God. And if they do not glorify God, then guess what? That means that they are glorifying Satan. Because anything that does not glorify God glorifies Satan. Anything that does not glorify God glorifies Satan. Boy, it makes you rethink everything about parenting, doesn't it? A father has the ability to lead or mislead his family. The father has the ability to help prevent many of the sins that his children and grandchildren will fall into if he leads his family in obedience to the law of God. But men, what's really troubling is that fathers not only have the ability to help prevent a sinful life in their children, but they can also encourage a sinful life in their children with their own lifestyle. And some of us, we don't even realize how we're doing that. What do your kids see you doing, men? I have said this many times, but it deserves to be repeated. What our children see us do in moderation, they will do in excess. What they see us do in moderation, they will take it to the next level. And so it, it, it means that, that we must, we must, we must be the example that they need for their lives. What do you want your children to be like? There's never been a good father that hoped that his children would one day be broke. There's never been a good father that, that longed for the day that his grown child would neglect his or her family. There's never been a good father that dreamed of his child becoming an alcoholic or a drug addict. It troubles me that we, we plant certain seeds in our kids' lives and we expect to get a different harvest. You are always going to reap what you sow. And whatever you sow into your family, whatever lifestyle that you are living out in front of them, that is what you are going to reap. That's the harvest that you're going to get out of your children. Some of you that attend Wednesday nights and in, in, in the past, you, you've, you've heard this story before. But when my dad retired, my, my father became an avid gardener. And, and he, he, I mean, when dad does something, my dad is like MacGyver, man. He just creates all kinds of stuff. When you would get into my dad's car, there were always different gadgets and, and, and gizmos and all kinds of things all over, you know, just the dashboard. My dad has always been that way. So when he created his garden, he created it with this overhead sprinkler system. He had PVC pipe run and and. It, at certain times of the day, it was, it, 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 was, it was nice. I mean, it was like being at a nursery. It was raining from above on his, the way God intended for it to be. That's how dad looked at it. 
He said, let's just don't water the ground. Let's, let's let it fall from above. And so he did it. And then he had tarps rolled up or like visqueen rolled up on the sides. And when a hard freeze would come in, dad would make sure that those were rolled down and it was completely covered. Well, my dad went to the store one day and he bought some, some seeds to plant some eggplants. And, and he planted those eggplant seeds and he started watering them and, and taking care of them, weeding around them. And, and they started coming up and they didn't look right. They didn't look like, like an eggplant. Sure enough, once the harvest started coming forth, they were sunflowers, big, giant sunflowers, beautiful to look at, but horrible to eat. Everybody plants seeds. What kind of seeds are you planting? Because mom, dad, listen to me, you can't plant one seed and expect expect to get a different harvest from it because whatever seed you plant in the lives of your children will be the fruit that is harvested in their lives. So let me be very clear on this. A chihuahua cannot produce a great dane. A buzzard will never produce an eagle. A, a, A goat will never produce a sheep. Trying to be careful. A jack mule (laughs) will never produce a thoroughbred. Men, listen to me. We have to become who we want them to be. And anything short of a miracle, your kids are going to become just like you. And and trust me, I know that God is able. Miracles take place, and there are grown adults in this room that in spite of your father, you turned out godly. But you and I both know it had to be extremely intentional. And that is not always the norm. So let's just take that out of the equation. Let's lead our children to the cross. Let's make sure that everything that we do with our lives points them towards Jesus. Because this thing also works in the positive for their lives also. What your kids see in moderation, they will do in excess. So if you are loving people, they're going to love people even more. If you respect people, they're going to respect people even more. If if they see you providing, they will want to provide that much more. And if they see you, men, if they see you going after God, they will want to pursue God that much more because what you do in moderation, they will do in excess. And the precedent was set with God the Father and God the Son. The son will do what he sees his father doing. John 5 and 19, and Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Men, don't wait and hope and pray. You become the miracle that your child needs to see. Let God transform you so that you naturally raise spiritual giants. And I didn't want to take any chances with my kids. I wanted them to love Jesus, so I I tell you, I raised them in a godly way. It wasn't always easy. It didn't always make me popular. It wasn't always fun, but I tell you this, it was certainly worth it. And the greatest honor for me on this Father's Day was to see my daughter up here on this stage leading worship and my son back at that sound booth running sound today. You don't think that this father's heart is bursting with joy? Because I've worked hard for this moment. 
to see them serve God with their whole hearts. In closing, I want to tell you what your children need to see. They, they need to see three parents out of you. The first thing that they need to see is a, is a public parent. They need to see a public parent. They need a parent that is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They need a parent that will talk about the life, the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Christ, the entire gospel. They need a parent that will talk about the testimony of what God brought you out of and what he has has brought you to. They, They need a parent that displays God's love, God's grace, and God's mercy in his or her everyday life. Some of you better grab hold of this because you're sowing seeds right now and you don't even realize it. Get off of the social media wars. They need a parent that knows how to fight their battles. And they need a parent that will display God's love, his grace, and his mercy in their everyday life. When people see dad, they see a godly man. When they see their mom, they see a godly woman. That is a public parent. But they also need a personal parent. They need a parent that will encourage them personally to grow in God and develop a hunger for his word. A couple of years ago, my son wanted so badly to be a student manager for the Florida Gators men's basketball team. In his freshman year, he, he, he went and he started helping out with some of their summer camps, hoping that he would land a spot. He worked throughout the summer, and, and when time came, they didn't have room for him to be on the, on the, the manager's uh, staff, and so he, he, didn't, he didn't make it. He wasn't a part of that during his freshman year. The next year, he went back to work the summer camps again, and he worked hard. And, and I remember one day, he sent a text to me, and, and, and he said that he was doing some of the grunt work at, at the UF basketball camps. I could tell he was a little discouraged in that moment. And so I I simply just sent him a verse, just some scripture. Luke 16 and 10, this is what I sent him in the text. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. I was just encouraging him, being that personal, godly parent that he needed. You know, he stuck it out. Caleb made the staff. And for the last three years, he's, he's been working with the Gator basketball team. Now he's going to grad school and he will enter into his fourth year working with Gator basketball. I'm so glad I was able to encourage him to help him understand, son, if you do a lot with a little, you'll get to do a lot with a lot, but you just stay the course right now. And finally, the last parent that your child needs is a private parent. This is what you do when your kids aren't watching. This is what you do when no one is watching. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought. You hear that, man? This is what a godly man looks like, a man who trusts in the Lord whenever tough times come. He's not anxious in the year of drought because he trusts in the Lord for it does not cease to bear fruit. In order, men, for you to see the fruit of your children's lives, you must establish the roots in your own life first. So men, I'm gonna ask you, how's your personal relationship with God? How is it? 
How's your personal relationship with God? Because your public performance will crumble if your private disciplines are lacking. You must be that private parent that gets along with God and gets your mind ready for the troubles that are coming because they are going to come. If anybody in this room tries to convince me that your family is never under attack, I'll call you a liar to your face because you and I both know the enemy hates your family. He hates my family and he is out to rip it apart and to destroy it. And what you do, men, in private is going to affect your family publicly. On May 23rd, my son got married in this room and I knew that it was going to be an emotional day. Man, I, I knew it. There was a part during that wedding, and, and I shared this with some of our, our leaders. But right here on this stage, there was a part in that wedding where, where the parents were going to gather around Caleb and Mariah and lay our hands on them and pray for them. And I knew when we reached that moment, it was going to be emotional. It was emotional during the rehearsal. So I knew when we get there, I'm going to cry. I've got my handkerchief ready. I'm, I'm, I know this is going to happen. But here's the problem. Me and Kayla walked out of that door coming from the offices and we started walking up the side over here. And as we're walking up the side, I got to these steps right over here. And it hit me. My son is following in my footsteps. It's all I could think about. My son is following in my footsteps. We've got a picture of that moment. I'm walking up those steps and all I can think about is my son is following in my footsteps. And I got to that top step and I was like, don't blink, don't blink, don't blink. If I blink, I'm gonna cry. I mean, my eyes are full of water right now. I could only hope and pray that the walk that I've walked in front of him is worthy of him following in my footsteps. I'm not telling you men that I've got everything right and that I'm perfect by any means. My wife, she can tell you that, I'm sure. My kids can tell you that. But every day I've just tried to wake up and walk in such a way that I don't embarrass my family, that I glorify God, and that through my actions I share the love of Jesus Christ. And if I can get those things right in every aspect of my life, then I'm walking out a life that is worthy of them to follow in my footsteps. And I know that there's some other men in this room that you want to do the same. I know that God is challenging you right now to step it up. One of the greatest things that happens in my household is accountability. We're all accountable to each other. I'm accountable to Mandy, she's accountable to me. I'm accountable to my children, they're accountable to me. Every, everyone is accountable to each other.
And men, if you want to be that kind of parent that I just preached about right now, this is that moment of accountability. Maybe, maybe your family is in the room with you right now. And when you stand up saying, this is, that's the man that I want to be, what you talked about today, that's what I want to be for my children, it creates that moment of accountability. And so I'm going to be the first to tell you that sometimes I don't get all this right, but I'm trying. And so I'm the first one to stand right now. Men, if that's the man of God you want to be, would you join with me and stand right now all over this room? Come on, create that moment of accountability. Let your wife, let your children, let them see right now. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do something that's going to make some of you really uncomfortable right now. I know it is. But men, your children, your wife, they need to see you raise your hands to heaven and total surrender to God. So, man, I'm just going to ask you right now, would you just raise your hands? Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. This is that moment that you're setting the example. Father, with hands lifted high, we surrender our will. And we pray for your will to be done in our lives. God, these men right now, Lord, I believe that you are speaking to them. You're challenging them. Lord, you have challenged me with this message. God, I pray right now for wisdom. Impart wisdom from heaven into their lives. Lord, as they surrender to you right now, impart wisdom. God, I pray that you impart grace. God, give them mercy. God, let the love of Christ flow through their lives so much, Lord, that it, it cannot be contained and it spills over to everyone in the household, to everyone that they come in contact with. Lord Jesus, let your love flow through these men. Take the hardest of hearts right now, Lord, and begin to mold it and shape it into who you want them to be. Create us to be men of God. Unashamed followers of Christ. Let us break generational curses. The sins that so easily beset us, Lord. I break them now in the name of Jesus Christ. God, strengthen these men. Let us become like our Father as Christ became like His Father. And as we walk this thing out, let our children follow in our footsteps. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Please, no one looking around.
please be respectful of this moment. Maybe you're here on this Father's Day 2020 and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's you, I'm going to make this so easy for you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not even going to ask you to stand. All that I'm going to ask you to do with every head bowed and every eye closed, this is just between me, you, and God right now. If that's you and you need a relationship with Jesus, if you need forgiveness for your sins, anyone in the room, men, women, children, I want you to raise your hand high right now. Just raise it high. There's no one looking around. Yes, thank you. Someone else. Yes, thank you. Someone else would say, Pastor, please pray for me. I will not embarrass you, I promise. I'm gonna raise it high. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, Lord, thank you. Church, I want you to look at me. I saw three hands in this room go up saying, I need that relationship with Christ. I need forgiveness. We're not going to single them out. I promised them that we would not do that, but you know who you are. We're gonna say a prayer corporately, all together. But if you raised your hand today, I want you to make this prayer your prayer. Take the words that I'm saying and make them your own. Speak this from your heart today as you receive forgiveness for sins. I receive forgiveness. Many people in this room have. And today, we're gonna help lead you through this. So church, let's look up to heaven. And let's say it together. Say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and that he rose again, giving me eternal life. And today, I make him the Lord of my life. In his name I pray, amen, 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 amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.